Welcome to Women's Hoops and Talks, the what podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. I'm Tara. And I'm Cassidy. Thank you so much for listening today. We've got a great show coming up. Alex from the Blazers Outsiders is here. Welcome back, Alex. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. We are so glad to have you. Can't wait to find out how your year has been, how the season's been going. Before we get into that, though, let me just remind everybody that you can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast on Twitter at Hoops and Talks, and you can subscribe to the show in the Blazers Edge podcast feed on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. So let's get started with an icebreaker. You want to take it away, Cassidy? Absolutely. I'm thinking, in honor of my favorite moment of the season, I'm wondering if you could pick three NBA players to be stuck in an elevator with. Who would you pick and why? (laughs) And I do not even know my answer yet, so if anyone wants to jump in. (laughs) Oh, I've got my answer. All right. I've got my answer. I'm all ready to go. Okay. Number one, I got to go with Evan Turner. He's my favorite Blazer. He's my favorite NBA player. The guy would keep it entertaining at the very least. That's number one. My number two is going to be JaVale McGee because I just recently started following him on Instagram. He seems like an awesome guy. He is also a vegan. I got to ask him about his journey that way. And he just seems cool. My third one is Kyrie Irving. Oh, because I feel like he has some splaining to do. You know what I mean? I have questions to ask him, like, sit me down with him, like, trap him in there. I need to know about the flat earth thing. I'm going to make it productive. That's good. And with Evan Turner in there to just kind of, like, needle him along, too? Yes, exactly. Like, if if things get too intense with Kyrie, at least Evan will be, you know, the peanut gallery back there making it light. I love it. Uh, Did we already tell the story, Cassidy, about getting on the elevator in Denver? (laughs) Were you with? Oh, I don't think we did. Yeah, I was in that elevator. Oh my god! So, Alex, we were in Denver a few weeks ago for a game, and there was a bunch of us all from Portland, and like we were getting on the elevator to go upstairs in their arena, and we got on the elevator, and then it started beeping, and we like kind of looked around, and then we like realized that there was like a over the weight limit, and we cruised out of there so fast. We were like, "We're from. Oh my god! We can't get elevators." (laughs) <laughs> and the other the denver fans were laughing at us because they definitely knew about the elevator incident and they were like yeah you guys should probably get out oh that's so funny oh my god well at least you guys made it out right i know yeah, we survived <laughs> i know i was just like uh well and so that's where I'll, I'll go next with mine because that like you know split second where i like looked around and i was like oh my god if i'm if i'm gonna be stuck in an elevator who do i want to be stuck with I realized I wanted to be stuck with the smallest people that I could possibly be stuck with. <laughs> and so I just went to Good basketball point. reference and found out who the three shortest guys in the NBA are right now. <laughs> Ooh, hit hit us with it. I can't even think. Isaiah Thomas from Denver, of course. Um, okay. He's like listed as 5'9". And these are their listed heights, so who knows how accurate they are. Right. Tyler Eulis of Chicago. He's 5'10". And I remember, I remember seeing him on the court. He's a little tiny guy. Um, and then Frank Mason of Sacramento is listed as 5'11". And those are pretty much the only guys listed under six foot. Wow. Okay. But that is who I would choose to be stuck with. That's a really like strategic answer. I like it. That I appreciate it. That is very strategic. It. I was expecting to hear Caruso from you. Oh, oh. <laughs> 
God, I feel so bad. I haven't thought about my secondary or my tertiary boyfriend in like a week since the Lakers are out. Yeah, I kind of fell for Caruso at the end of the season. Like who didn't, right? Uh, I didn't actually pay attention to him. Most, most, but I'm Googling him right now. Oh, yeah. He's just for science. That's why. Yeah. So I definitely had Evan Turner on my list just because I'm I'm waiting for a deadpan almost as great as the one that happened in our elevator incident. I think <laughs> for a second pick, oh goodness, this is so difficult. Um, I'm thinking I'm gonna go with I want I would like to hear how Jason Tatum's doing actually from Duke oh. just just a check in see how that's going. I know he has a cool organization going in Boston right now. And um, I think my third pick would have to go for the entertainment value. So I'm going to have to pick. Um, honestly, I want to talk to Jimmy Butler. Oh. I think hmm. he's got some interesting takes on the world, and I'd be willing to to listen to them just long enough to get out of an elevator. So <laughs> Just until the trail mix yeah. runs out. Just until they yeah. let me out. So yeah. I think those are my picks. I'm going with Jimmy Butler, Evan Turner, duh. And um, whoever else I said. Uh, Jason Tatum. That seems like Jason a Tatum. super intense group. It could be an intense, intense elevator situation. Oh, boy. Yeah. Especially after um, you've been highly caffeinated, then getting in there with the three of them, that would be. <laughs> yeah. Be and there's quite... never a situation where I'm not highly caffeinated, so <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> well, that was fun. Thanks for getting us started on that. Um, so, Alex, you've been a Blazers outsider on NBC Sports Northwest for a season now. So how has that gone? What's that been like? It's pretty crazy to think that it's already been a full regular season. Like, it seems like everything went by so quickly. Um, it's been really great, like, getting to know all the guys. You know, I basically, since I fill in sometimes on the pre- and post-game show, I've got you know these five guys that I get to hang out with and talk basketball with and watch basketball with and I think you know it's they've kind of made me better fans and helped me look at the game a little bit differently um it's just it's just been fun having this sort of second hobby slash you know gig thing that um has allowed me to meet a lot of people and make some some pretty decent friends so um aside from that I think that it's gotten a lot easier <laughs> over time. I wasn't that nervous to start, but um, just getting comfortable with knowing that everything doesn't have to be scripted and dead air can happen. Um, and you'll probably learn to fill that space with some meaningful basketball talk and just learning to trust yourself definitely came um, a little bit later in the regular season. So um, I don't know what's in store for the outsiders for the off season or next season, but I'm excited to continue to grow and get better you know, as a, as a panelist. <laughs> nice. Well, for, so pe- for people, um, in case they don't watch the outsiders, cause we do have listeners from, um, or from around for not from around this parts. Can you explain a little bit about like kind of what the concept is behind the outsiders and how you, um, cover the blazers? Yeah. So blazers outsiders is a show by the fans. Basically, um, it, they're non-media, non, um, like Blazers Association associated <laughs> people, I guess, if you will. So outsiders. Um, <laughs> yes, they're out- exactly. They're outsiders. They're not insiders. And uh, we have two shows. We have one that uh, plays on the pre and post game show before and after the games. And then uh, the show that I'm primarily on is on the off days. So we kind of 
catch up, tell you about the game before and preview the next game is usually how it works. So it's, we just talk basketball. We talk about the league as well. You know, anything relevant happening, whether it be on social, you know, on Twitter or uh, game wise, um, we'll talk about it. Have you ever had any big uh, uh, guffaws that um, we didn't catch because we were watching from home and they were going on behind anything break or anything like that? You know, I, I heard there's only a 10 second delay. So my biggest concern was, oh, I'm definitely going to curse on live TV. It's going to happen to me. I'm going to get fired. But surprisingly, I still haven't. And uh, you wouldn't know it by being on this podcast, but I have a colorful mouth at times. So uh, <laughs> the fact that I haven't done that yet is almost next to a miracle. But um, no, actually, Chris, my host, Chris Burkhart from NBC Sports Northwest, he is well prepared. He keeps things uh, pretty organized. And every time he's in the driver's seat, I'm like, we're going to be fine. Nothing, nothing horrible has happened yet. <laughs> Have you ever <laughs> driven the show before? Yeah, um, I've hosted a couple times actually just uh, recently because Chris has been on the road for the playoffs uh, covering uh, for NBC Sports Northwest. He does camera work and social on the road. So um, I had to host a couple times uh, in the last couple of weeks. And that's definitely a little bit of a different experience, you know, because I'm basically given the opportunity to plan out the show, like what we talk about, the order that I want to talk about things in and planning the content essentially with the producer of the show. So um, it's been fun and a little bit nerve wracking, but you know, just growth experiences. So you are part of a group who started a Twitter community community called Rip Twitty. You want to tell us about who Rip Twitty is and what y'all are about? Yeah. Uh, today is like literally our first birthday. We've uh, been doing this for a year so. It's pretty exciting. Um, basically, what happened was uh, just a few of us, I guess five of us um, on Twitter all met on Twitter through Blazers. So basically through the hashtag Rip City, we all sort of found each other by tweeting about the Blazers. And um, when and it, it was me and four other women. And uh, once we kind of became friends, we were like, oh, uh, this community is like Rip City, but it's on Twitter. So it's Rip Twitty. So we kind of dubbed that name and then made a uh, Twitter account, Instagram account, and just tried to do something to bring Blazers Twitter together. Um, so since then, we've had three watch parties, two of them during the playoffs and one of them regular season. Uh, we kind of go around to different like Blazers adjacent or streetwear com- uh, companies in the area, get them to donate prizes and we'll hold raffles and uh we did donations one time at one of our watch parties for the raffle. So if they brought donations that we took to uh, the Portland rescue mission, that they would get raffle tickets. And then those prizes that the companies donated would go to them. So we're trying to do more in the community and kind of build, build up what, what is already really happening on blazers Twitter, which is a lot of, you know, strangers who maybe haven't met in person, but like all kind of connect for this one reason. So it's been pretty cool. Our last watch party was uh, for game three of the playoffs this season. And we had about, it felt like maybe there were about a hundred people there and a lot of them hadn't met each other from Twitter yet. So it was just good to see everybody sort of come together and break down that wall. That is super cool. And one of the things I appreciate about you is um, that your the whole group of Rip Twitty, everybody's like really thoughtful and 
that's not really how people tend to characterize Twitter, right? Um, it's usually kind of thought of as sort of a cesspool. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's a lot of good things out there. And I've seen the, you know, the Rip City Twitter and Rip Twitty, you know, led by um, often like, you know, with Rip Twitty leading the charge, just do like some really thoughtful things for each other. Um, you know, lift people up when they're feeling down. Um, I know that I've gotten some random cards in the mail from Rip Twitty, which are yes. just like, it's like, who gets mail anymore? I got a Valentine. It was like the greatest thing. It was just that so That was definitely fun for us. Yeah. yeah it's just, fun. you know, you, you guys put a little bit of extra thought into like, right, we're all united because of the Blazers, but we're also people and we're more than just, you know, fans. We're like, we bring our whole selves and like we connect in different ways anyway it's just really awesome i'll stop being all sappy (laughs) no yeah i mean it's just it's important to us because me and these four women we hang out all the time in real life so we're real friends now so it's important for us to sort of share that and give other people the opportunity or maybe the courage to step out of twitter and see if they can meet some true friends because i think that's you know not to get all political, but you know, it's, it's a society mm-hmm. where we're really behind the computer or behind our phones a lot. So just kind of reminding people that, Hey, like you can still make human connection and it can, it can come from Twitter, but it can be more than that is, is important to us. Right on. That's awesome. Well, shall we, shall we move into the, uh, the meat of the program today? It is, yes. we are entering awards season. So we're going to give out some NBA awards, but instead of the regular awards that all the people who have votes are going to be giving out, uh, we're, we came up we came up with our own awards. So we're going to go through some of them and see if we can figure out who should win these. Um, Cassidy, do you want to look at our list and grab one to get started with? Yeah, I'm going to go with the what award for most vicious fan chant around the league. I think this year fans have been extra. Well, maybe not extra this year, but I've heard a lot of great chants and I wanted to recognize some of those great chants. So our first nominee are the Pacers fans for the bronze gonna trade you directed at Brandon Ingram in the midst of all the trade rumors that happened. Um, (laughs) Nominee number two are Dallas Maverick fans for chanting Jimmy Butler at Carl Anthony Towns after Jimmy Butler was traded. That is vicious. Um, Mm -hmm. Pacers fans, again, you are very vicious fans for Tank for Zion targeted at the Cavaliers. And our last nominee are the Knicks fans for chanting We Want Kyrie while playing against Boston. What do y'all think wow. of the nominees? Well, man, fans of other teams suck, don't they? <laughs> yeah, but sometimes I wish we chanted more elaborate things in the moda- or in the Rose Garden than just your stereotypical arena yeah. chants. MVP yeah. for for Damien. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the the Knicks one seems actually pretty practical. Um, because Knicks fans mm-hmm. wanting Kyrie, you know, I think with Kyrie, you you have to just shoot your shot when you see him, and you know he could just like fall right for that kind of um, you know courting, that kind of courtship. So I think that the Knicks, I might give the edge to them because I think theirs is actually the most practical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, got an opinion, Alex? You lean. I mean. I think the worst thing is 
because the Dallas the Dallas chant about Jimmy Butler is is just sort of getting in Carl Anthony Towns' heads. Not really about him. It's just about some drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, the Pacers chant at Brandon Ingram saying that someone on your team who doesn't have the power to do so is going to trade you is like the most disrespectful, specific, rude thing that you could chant at somebody. So for me, it's that one's the most vicious. Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards that one as well. Um, just because it's just so mean. And yes. it, it Pacers fans on a lot of these, I came up with about eight different ones throughout the season, and I think five of them were Pacers. So it's, oh, man. They are, it's a basketball town, so you know, yeah, they're passionate. They are the state home of basketball. So I wonder if those are all just like totally organic that just, you know, rise up. Because I know when I'm in the arena, unless it's people chanting, chanting MVP, I like never have any idea what anybody's chanting. So I'm pretty impressed yeah. that they can like come up with that many coordinated efforts. That's true. We've got to give it to all of these fans for saying anything at all in unison. Yes. <laughs> Maybe they have cards like at soccer games. I always wish the Blazers oh. would do that. I so wish if there was a if there was a section of the Rose Garden that was like the Timbers Army, I would totally be in oh, it. Oh yeah. But I don't that would be awesome. That. I don't know why they don't do it. We got we're gonna have to talk to somebody, see if we can get that started. Well, I'll tell you the first step is us wearing our playoff t shirts like every other fan group does in the arena. I think until we start doing that. Did you notice that? Yeah. Watching yes. the OKC game? Every other team's fans wear the t-shirts, but Portland's man, they just, they got to stay, got to stay sassy with their flannel and their whatever else they got going on that they don't want to change out of. I don't know. So every time you are at a game and they have t-shirts, do you put it on? Well, I'm usually sitting in a suite. So for me, like, I mean, maybe this is like a complete bad excuse, but like, I'm not in the the bowl. So like, you're not going to see me on TV. So easy for or you the to players say. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> How about you, Cassie? Exactly. Where do you sit on this? Uh, it depends on, no, it doesn't. I will forever and always wear my 1989-1990 Western Conference Finals t-shirt in games that matter. I just cannot, I've worn it since I was, too little to even be in it since I was like two I was wearing it so I've been wearing it my entire life I'm gonna continue wearing that during important games yeah that's true we are kind of like superstitious as as a yeah as a fan group so all right I take it back I take it back okay (laughs) well no I think it's definitely worth exploring because it definitely looks more um Mm -hmm. menacing and more coordinated but I hate being told what to do so much yeah and when I walk in and there's that t-shirt sitting there looking at me like you better put this on I'm just like ugh. I just every fiber in my body just like rebels like no don't tell me what to do don't tell me I have to wear that shirt and I'll wear it like happily afterwards and sometimes I'll yeah. like, drape it on my body. But my um, my friend Susie, Blazer fan Susie, who's been an awesome guest on this show before, she is like – she does not let anybody in her section not wear their shirts. She is like polices the place and she's like, you put your Dang. shirt on. And so like she – her her section always looks really good. So if there's a section that's like all wearing their shirts, there's probably – Susie has probably walked through there and made sure that everybody was putting on her, their shirts. <laughs> so That's funny. All right, so we've got the uh, yeah. most vicious ch- pan- ch- fan chant going to the Pacers fans for Bron's going to trade you. Uh, Alex, yes. do you want to pick one to do next? Sure. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> uh, 
All right, let's do the uh, what awards for the best performance in a basketball drama, which great category title, by the way, like perfect. Um, okay, the first one nominees are Jimmy Butler for You Blank and Need Me, Chandler Parsons for Let Me Play, uh, Carmelo Anthony for The Invisible Man, and of course, our very own CJ McCollum for I'm Trying Jennifer. Those are all very good. So for people who may not uh, remember all those things, because some of them happened a really long time ago, the Jimmy Butler, you effing need me. That was, um, he was in practice, right? And he yelled it um, like he'd been sitting out and then he came to a practice and he, he and all the um, scrubs played and beat like the first team. And that's what he yelled at. I think the owner or the GM or something or the coach, right? Or I guess they're yeah, all the yes. same. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you effing need me. But I thought that the really funniest thing was the exact opposite tale um, for Chandler Parsons, because after he was coming back from injury, they told him that he had to go to, um, the G League to play a couple games to show that he was in shape enough and he uh, refused to do it and he all he wanted to do was just play and so he had a practice where he reportedly yelled let me play which I just thought that was oh my so God. great <laughs> we had the two completely different ones and that then was insane Carmelo Anthony for the Invisible Man what happened to him where is he somewhere on a beach <laughs> crickets <laughs> Oh, crickets on social? I mean, or does he even uh, have some? He showed up at Dwayne Wade's last game, I think, or was yeah, he did, and then he did the last jersey exchange one to him, which I was like, what? You're not even wearing a jersey. But otherwise, yeah, yeah. So there's that, and then obviously CJ McCollum for I'm trying Jennifer. Uh, We just had Jennifer on the podcast, the last podcast. She was amazing. It was so fun to talk to her. So who do you ladies want to give the best performance in a basketball drama to? I feel like I'm leaning towards Butler. Yeah. It's, it's like not even a question for me that it's Jimmy Butler, That I mean, just the way he did it comes into practice, beats the starters with the bench and Mm -hmm. finishes with that. Like that could be in a movie. Yeah. It will be in a future movie. The Jimmy. Yeah. True. (laughs) The Jimmy Butler story. Yeah. Yeah, lots of country music in that movie. <laughs> yeah, I can't really argue with either of you on that one. I think he's uh, he's the runaway winner for that one. There may have been some, maybe some deeper, more uh, subtle, nuanced performances from some of the other performers. But, you know, sometimes you just got to give it to the person who it's like, obviously, his turn. Yeah, for sure. Very much so. Okay. So I will do mine. Mine is the award for the most average player in the NBA because we spend so much time talking about trying to figure out who's the best, who's the top five, who's the top 10, who's the top 100. And I think somebody needs to recognize those guys in the middle Um, because people are always (laughs) making fun of the guys at the end. But you know what? It's the guys in the middle who make the people at the top really good and gives the guys on the bottom something to strive for. So I wanted to. But so let me tell you how I picked out my nominees for most average player in the NBA. So I I used several metrics. 
I uh, tested my ability to use stats.mba.com and basketball reference today. And the first thing I did as I tried to figure out, like, what was the most average um, uh, points per game and rebounds? So I just took, like, the league average for scoring, which was 111 points per game. Um, and I figured like most teams probably pay play around like 10 people. So I divided that. So I figured that somebody who had scored around 11 points per game was probably like pretty average. And then I looked at, did the same thing with rebounds. So like a little bit more than 45 rebounds per game is the average 45 times 10 is like 4.5. So the first thing I did is I found a couple of players who like were closest to having 11 points and 4.5 rebounds. So Damari Carroll had 11.1 points and 5.2 rebounds. And then Gordon Hayward had 11.5 points and 4.5 rebounds. So Damari Carroll and Gordon, Gordon Hayward are very close in terms of um, having the most average points and rebounds per game. Then I was. So is this. Go oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, is this this season or a yes. career? No, this season. Yeah, okay. Just gotcha. there. Oh, that's a good point. I just looked at this season and I just looked at players who played more than 50 games, more than 10 minutes a game. No, that's perfect. Cause we're talking about this season. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, okay. So then I was like, Oh, what about guys who, um, had a zero plus minus. So like when they play, like that's mm-hmm. average, right? Like they're not mm-hmm. above, they're not below. They're like right there in the middle. So I mm-hmm. looked at guys who had uh, zero plus minus who were closest to that points and rebounds number. And then I did the same with net rating because net rating is like your offensive numbers plus your minus your defensive numbers. And like zero, again, is right in the middle. So I looked at the players that had um, zero plus minus and zero net rating that were closest to 11 points and 4.5 rebounds. So those players are Trey Lyles. He had 8.5 points and 3.8 rebounds, a zero net rating, and a 0.1 plus minus. And then my new favorite player, maybe after Caruso, let's see if I can pronounce his name because I'd never heard of him, which I also thought was like boded really well for him uh, in terms of the <laughs> average. Uh, Rod- Rodion's Kurukas or something like that. <laughs> I like wrote it down phonetically and I still can't do it right. <laughs> That's Rodion's a wild name. Karukas, and he plays for Brooklyn and he's played in 50 games more than 10 minutes a game. And I'd never heard of him before. Never heard of um, him. Wow. It's R-O-D-I-O-N-S-K-U-R-U-C-S. Anyway, Rodion's my new favorite player as soon as I can learn how to pronounce his name. Uh, 8.5, po- 8.5 points, 3.9 rebounds. Zero net rating, zero plus minus. I mean, come on. Talk about average. So he's my winner. (laughs) That's a really long and convoluted way of saying that Rodion's is my winner for the most average player in the NBA. This is incredible, Tara. The fact that you have put this together. Because I would never think of an average player as being essential. But if you, you, like you said, they support the guys on the top and they give the guys below something to strive for, but they really skate by all the media. They kind of don't get any of the attention or the negative attention even for just being average because the expectations are so either low or average for them. They just get to play basketball. Yeah. This is incredible. 
Wow. I, I cannot argue with that logic. Yeah. I mean, I mean as a very average person him. myself, I really want to pump up this award. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I'm going to go with Rodeons as well because, I mean, that's just those numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. I got to go with the Latvian. Rodeons gets this one. Yeah. yeah. As soon as we're done, I'm going to like dive down the Wikipedia tunnel to learn more about him. Oh, I'm already there. I'm I'm deep in the rabbit hole, you guys. He looks yeah. like, a, like a very nice man. And he's like from Latvia, yeah. right? Yeah. Rookie, yep. rookie season, I think. Yeah. Look out, world. Rodion's is coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we have time for one more? Let's let's just do one more. Um, okay. And I think we should talk about since we're wrapping up this um this season, let's talk about the best team after the Trailblazers to root for next season. So of all Ooh. the teams Ooh. that we watched this season, who do we think um would be the best team to root for next year? So the nominees in the category of best team after after the Trailblazers to root for next season. The Brooklyn Nets, otherwise known as Blazers East, the Sacramento Kings, because they have purple uniforms, and it just cracks me up every time I see their purple uniforms. Uh, Los Angeles <laughs> Clippers, because they're not the Lakers. And Washington Wizards, because I think that they are the bizarro world blazers. Because, here's my theory. At one time, John Wall and Bradley Beal were kind of like Damian and CJ, but their team went completely in the opposite direction. Yes, yeah. they are 100% the bizarro Jerry's of the NBA to the Blazers, that's for sure. Um, can I make my case? Yes. Okay, so I gotta eliminate the Clippers because I just, even though they're not the Lakers, even though they're making a good run against the Warriors right now, I cannot get behind Patrick Beverly no matter how much I try. So it can't be him. It can't be them. Sacramento Kings, I just, I've been to Sacramento and it's depressing. So I'm inclined to go for them, but it's, it's hands down for me. It's gotta be the Brooklyn Nets. Cause they took our crab. They took our Ed, they took our Shabazz and I still want those guys to succeed. So I feel like the Brooklyn Nets are still a good team to watch. Um, regardless of what they do in the postseason right now, but they have my pick. Yeah. I got to agree because I got to cheer for Shabazz and Ed and I just, I, and I, yeah, I got to go with Brooklyn for this one, especially because they're just a fun team to watch. And apparently they have the wor- the most average player in the league. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I hello. Mean, I think we, we have reason. to go with Brooklyn. I mean, most average. Yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn is definitely my choice. Um, I kind of watch the Wizards, like, in terms of, like, what's that German term that means, like, you're watching, like, what you don't want happening to you? And that's kind of how I feel about I'm sort of fascinated with by Washington in that way. But yeah, I think the Brooklyn Nets are are the team. I look at the Brooklyn Nets kind of, you know, I look at them more like um, they were the next step for Ed and Shabazz and Alan Crabb. Like they went like they all went off to college and they all chose the same college to go to. And now we can root for that school. Yes, yes, 100%. I don't feel bad about rooting for Brooklyn, even in tandem with rooting for the Blazers. Doesn't feel like it really gets in the way of my Blazer fanhood, so. Right. Yeah. And I can only cheer for other teams on the East Coast, so it makes sense. Right. Right. Exactly. Really good point. 
Well, I think we should probably go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, Alex, do you want to tell folks how they can uh, catch your show and they can uh, follow you on social media if you want? Yes, um, I am on Twitter at Owlhix, O-W-L-H-I-X. If you see a weird cat head, that is going to be me. Um, They can watch Blazers Outsiders on off game days at 7 p.m. on NBC Sports Northwest. Uh, and then possibly in the off season on either Tuesday or Thursday, it's yet to be announced. So that's where they can find me and people can watch you on Facebook. Yes, they can. I forgot about that. Thank you. Um, if you don't have cable or you feel like chatting along with us, we do respond and chat with you on Facebook live. So just hop onto Facebook and find the NBC sports Northwest page and you can watch live with us. Right on. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on again, and we will continue to have you as a regular guest as long as you will be on it, you know, until you like make it big time and you're, you know, too fancy for us. <laughs> oh, come on. I'll never be too fancy. And uh, going all over <laughs> the place, following, uh, following the team. But um, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me at TCB Biggs on Twitter. You can follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. You can also send us emails, hoopsandtalks at gmail.com. We love emails. And uh, Cassidy, do you want to tell folks where they can find you and take us out of here? Absolutely. You can find me at Cassidy Gamut with two M's. And that's going to do it for this episode of the What Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>